Thank you for listening to this podcast from Monclova Road Baptist Church. For more information about this message and the ministries of Monclova Road Baptist Church, please visit monclovabaptist.org. All summer long, we have been looking at end-time prophecy. We've studied uh, quite a bit leading now up to, we're getting into the tribulation now, the tribulation period. And we could also call that not just tribulation, but the seven years seven years of judgment. We started that last week in our series, and um, we... Uh, can't can't really study the seven-year period of tribulation in a one-week message. And so we are going to study it really in three. So this will be the second week uh, of this, and we're going to look at the retribution of God's judgment. And then next week, uh, Lord willing, we'll look at the purpose of the tribulation. And God does have a plan. God does have a purpose. And um, so we're going to look at this week, the judgments that are going to come during the tribulation time, and the next week we're going to see God's plan for the tribulation. I want to um, go back and look at two things that I mentioned last week, and I want to spend a little bit of time on them. I've had some people ask some questions this past week on them, and that was two things, 144,000 witnesses and the two witnesses as well, the 144,000 uh, evangelists or 144,000 those that are going to get saved during the tribulation and then the two uh, um, witnesses that are going to be there as well. So I'm going to start this week looking at those two and then we'll get right into the judgments that are going to come during this tribulation. One of the most most oft asked questions concerning the tribulation is this, whether people will be saved during the tribulation. The church will be raptured out. We've studied that. We know the, according to uh, uh, Paul says in, 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 in uh, his book to, to Thessalon, uh, Thessalonians, he says the dead in Christ are going to rise uh, first and those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up in the clouds to be with Jesus forever. And that is the rapture of the church. Those that know Jesus Christ as their Savior are going to be raptured out of this world. And at that point of the rapture then begins the tribulation, the rise of the Antichrist. And we've studied that through. We've looked at the, the political systems. We looked at the the uh, uh, religious systems coming together, and we studied some of that last week as well. And so what's going to happen then once the church is raptured out of this world in end-time prophecy, we learn of this in Daniel, we learn of this in the book of Revelation, we learn of this, Paul writes of this in some of the epistles in the New Testament. Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter number 24. We find the tribulation. We find where the Antichrist sets up a peace treaty with Israel, with the world. And then through that, the tribulation will begin. And somebody asks questions, and often many ask the question, will people be saved during the tribulation? The answer is yes. But I want you to look with me in this verse here. In 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verse 10, and two, 10 through 12, we find Paul is speaking of this to uh, the church. He says, and with all deceivableness and unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion and they should believe a lie that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This verse is talking to those that have rejected Christ here on the earth. Those that before the tribulation begins, those that have rejected salvation, rejected Christ, rejected the, the Bible way, when the tribulation begins, they are going to be believed this strong delusion, the Bible says, this lie, and they are going to be caught up believing the Antichrist is the Messiah, that he is the answer. And so someone might say this, you know what I'm going to do? I, I'm just going to live my life, and I'm not sure about all this. And so if the, if the tribulation happens, what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait and if there all of a sudden is, you know, millions of people that are left this earth, then you know what, that, that's going to show me. And at that time, then I'll believe and I'll get saved. It's going to be too late. Those that reject Christ, those that have had a chance to believe now and reject Christ, this verse, these verses are talking to you. 
This verse, these verses are saying this, that you will believe this delusion, you will believe this lie, and you are going to go by believing the Antichrist. And so don't think, don't think that I'm just going to wait, I'm going to put this off. You can't just wait and put this off. If the Lord is impressing upon your heart to be saved today, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. But there are going to be some that have never heard, that have never rejected Christ, that during the time of the tribulation, they are going to hear the gospel message. They are going to believe they are not going to take the mark. They are not going to worship the Antichrist, and they are going to be saved during the tribulation time. And this is encouraging, I think, for us, because today, what we're going to study is probably one of the hardest things to study the Bible. As a preacher, I'd rather preach the, the love of God and, 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 you know, make everyone feel good about things. But the matter of fact is, I have to preach the whole counsel of the Bible. And even in the Bible, we talk about the judgment of God. No one here hopes to see this. No one here, I would think, would hope to, to, to see this happen to this earth. But the fact of the matter is, God is going to pour his judgment out upon this earth. No man is going to want to endure this. It's probably one of the hardest things to preach because it's with such devastation upon this earth. Millions upon millions will die. We're going to get into that here this morning. But God in his mercy and God in his grace is still going to allow those that seek him to be saved, even during the time of tribulation. Many thousands will be saved. And in Revelation chapter number 14, in verse number three through five, the Bible says this, and they sung as it were a new song before the throne and before the four beasts and the elders. And no man could learn that song, but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. This is the 144,000 that were saved during the tribulation time. These are they which were not defiled with women. For they are virgins, these are they which follow the Lamb, whithersoever he goeth. These were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto God, unto the Lamb. That being the first fruits unto God, unto the Lamb, that is, is, is implying there the, those that were first saved during the tribulation. That's these 144,000. And the Bible goes on to say in verse number five, and in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. And there's going to be, the Bible tells us, 144,000 witnesses preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ during the time of tribulation. 144,000 Jews preaching the gospel. The Jehovah Witnesses teach the inclusion is this uh, 144,000 is granted through their organization, and it's based on their performance as a witness. We know that's not true. The Bible tells us this. Number one is, is according to this passage, they're all male virgins that are uh, uh, going to be of this 144,000. And so that leaves a lot of people out. Leaves all the women out. <laughs> it leaves all men out that uh, uh, are married or have been with a woman. So we know this, that this here, this 144,000, these are not the only ones that are saved during the tribulation. These are the first fruits. These are the first ones that are saved who then become representatives or become ambassadors or become witnesses talking and telling of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so who are these 144,000? I think that's a question that many ask. Who are these 144? The Bible says these are the first fruits unto God. As I said, it indicates those that were saved, maybe the first saved in the tribulation. And then these are those, think about this, during the, the, the condition, during the tribulation, the political condition, those that go against the Antichrist, those that go against the one world uh, uh, religion that we've looked at here in times past, those that go against that, the great persecution that these witnesses are going to have to endure, they're not going to take the mark. They're not going to identify themselves with the Antichrist. They're going to resist the Antichrist. They're going to preach the gospel. They're not going to be preaching that the Antichrist is the Messiah. They're going to be preaching the true Messiah is Jesus Christ the persecution that's going to come. In Revelation 7, 9 and 10, the Bible says, After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, 
of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne, before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are, thy, they, are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. There is going to be multitudes that are going to worship the Lord. There are going to be multitudes that are saved during the, the time of great tribulation because of the 144,000 witnesses that are teaching in preaching Jesus Christ. In addition to these 144,000, the Bible says this in Revelation 11, 3, and I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a, a, two, uh, a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. Now, this is also a very important passage of Scripture because we find that there's not only going to be 144,000 witnesses, there's going to be two witnesses specifically as well. Now, who are these two witnesses? Many Bible scholars believe this, that these two are many, uh, uh, all pretty much agree upon one being Elijah, believe that it's going to be Elijah. And, and then the two that others believe, it could be one of two people, Moses. And I personally believe, and I can't prove this, I just personally believe this, that it'll be by, and the man by the name of Enoch. Many believe, all, many, many all agree upon Elijah, and then there's some that differ between Moses and Enoch. The reason why I believe Enoch is, is the one uh, and not Moses is because of this. I believe that Enoch, the Bible says Enoch walked with God and was not. Enoch has not died. Enoch did not have a, a death. Elijah was taken in a chariot of fire, and so Elijah has not experienced death yet either. And so there are two men in the Bible that have never experienced death. It's Elijah and Enoch. And the Bible says this, it's appointed on a man wants to die. And so every man is going to face that. And, and Enoch and Elijah have not faced that. Moses, we know that Moses died because the Bible says this, that, that Michael and Satan wrestled for the body of, fought for the body of Moses. So we know this, that Moses, the body was there and there was a, 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 a fight for the body of Moses. And so we, we uh, I guess it doesn't really matter who's right and who's wrong in that. That's just my personal opinion in that. And if you're saved, you won't be here to find out anyways. But there's going to be two witnesses, two witnesses. And these two witnesses are going to have great power given from the Lord. In Revelation chapter number 11, verse number six, the Bible says, these have power to shut heaven. Speaking of these two witnesses, that it rain not in the days of their prophecy. And so here are two witnesses, and they're able to, what the Bible is saying is this, they're able to say, let it not rain, and while they're prophesying no rain, you know what, no rain upon the earth. They're going to have power over waters to turn them into blood. They're going to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And so during this time where these witnesses, these two witnesses are in the streets of Jerusalem and they are preaching and proclaiming truth, they are standing against the Antichrist and there's going to be powers given to them from God and the people are going to see these as hurting them and harming them instead of truly seeing them as God's grace and God's ability for them to be saved saved and to listen to these 144,000 and listen to these men, instead of them agreeing with these men, many are going to curse these men. Many are going to see that these men are causing destruction and death upon this earth, but God's intent was to allow these to be upon this earth so that others could know Christ as their Savior. God, his desire for mankind is to come to know him as their personal savior. His desire is to redeem mankind. One thing that we cannot forget as we study end time prophecy and as we study the judgments that are gonna come here upon this earth, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God desires for human beings to, to, to reconcile them back to him. He desires to redeem them. He desires to spend eternity with him, but God cannot allow sin into his presence. And so God made a way of escape. God sent his son, Jesus, 
Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was not just a good man. Jesus Christ was not just a good teacher. Jesus Christ was not just a prophet. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He is 100% man and he was 100% God. He was God in the flesh. You can say amen right there. He was God. Jesus came to this earth. The Bible requires a sacrifice. All the way back in the Old Testament, when man sinned, a sacrifice was made. Man realized that they were naked and they clothed themselves with fig leaves. But God took a burnt offering and God allowed that offering and he used that, that, that clothing from that offering, from that lamb to clothe mankind. And then when, when Cain and Abel came to the sacrifice, why was it that God did not accept Cain's sacrifice? Because God, Cain used the fruits of the, of the ground. Abel used the blood atonement. It's the blood that saves. It's the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not salvation any way you want it to be. Salvation only comes the way God says that it comes. And it comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ because it's through the blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the shed blood of the perfect lamb. That is only what's sufficient to be the, pa the payment for a sin. So when God sees man, he sees man either in their sin or in Christ Jesus. The only way a person can be in Christ is if the blood of Jesus Christ has covered them. Jesus Christ is the only way. Why mankind consistently and constantly fights that, we don't understand. But during the tribulation period, God in his mercy, in his grace, as he's pouring out judgment upon mankind for, for rejecting him, he still gives them an opportunity to accept him. Isn't that a wonderful God? And these men, these two men, they have the power to shut heaven. And there's going to be things that they will do. The Bible says this in verse 7 and 8 of Revelation chapter 11. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And so we find this is going to happen to these two men. These two men that, that arrive here upon earth that begin to preach Jesus Christ and, and, and do many wonders and signs. They're going to not be allowed to be touched by uh, the Antichrist. There's going to be a time where, where he's not able to touch them. He's not able to overcome them. They're going to preach and teach Christ. But then what's going to happen, the Bible says, is he's going to make war against them and he's going to overcome them and he's going to kill them. And then their bodies are going to lay in the street of that great city, that great city which spiritually is called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. We know that place that Jesus was crucified. He was crucified there. Jerusalem is this great city. He was going to be, uh, they were going to be lay in the street of this great city. In verse number 9 and 10 of Revelation 11, and they of the people and kindred and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their bo dead bodies to be put into graves. And so what they're saying, what the Bible's saying, what John is writing is this, these two that have, that have been a witness for Christ, these two that have, that have caused the, the, the uh, uh, rain to stop, these two that have, the world has seen them do many, many miracles, they are going to believe, they are going to see that these men are the causes of the suffering and they are going to leave their bodies lay in the street. Instead of picking these bodies up and putting them into a grave, they're going to let these bodies lay and all the world is going to see these bodies lay. And what does, what's going to happen? The Bible goes on to tell us, and they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them. God is giving mankind once again another opportunity to repent. Judgment is coming upon the earth and God is still seeking to save. But what does man do? The Bible tells us that man is going to rejoice and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. Instead of accepting one final attempt by God to redeem them, the Bible says they're going to rejoice. 
They're going to throw a party. They're going to, they're going to see this as a wonderful thing. They're going to say this. They're going to say that, that those that have tormented us are, are dead and, 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 and rejoice over this. The Bible says this, and after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God entered into them. And they stood upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. They heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. So what we find is going to happen is this, all the world is going to rejoice that these two are dead. And then we're going to find that after three and a half days, they're going to see, they're going to watch these two men uh, arise from the dead and ascend up into heaven. And they're going to wonder, they're going to wonder what this is all about. When these two witnesses have finished their work, they're going to suffer uh, at the hands of the Antichrist. They're going to become martyrs for Christ. The world is going to, going to celebrate this. Just think about this, this sin-twisted world, this thinking. Actually, these men that are faithful in preaching Christ, these men that are trying to get mankind to see their need in Christ, they're going to be cursed and they're going to be rejected. And when they finally are killed by the Antichrist, all the world's going to rejoice. Turn their back once again on God. I want to look this morning the retribution of God's judgment. And really with a heavy heart, look at this. Because there's no joy at all in studying and realizing the judgment that's going to come upon this earth. There's so many other portions of the Bible that are a lot easier to understand, a lot easier to digest, and a lot easier to, to study. These next few moments, we're going to study God's judgment. Sin must be paid for. There must be a penalty for sin. The Bible tells us in these three sections here, if you want to take notes, write these down. And as you study, speaking to my wife just even this week, and as I was studying through, it's difficult for many to understand seven seals, seven trumpets, seven vials. And you look through the book of Revelation, it's very difficult to understand. It talks about a white horse, a black horse, a red horse. What does all that mean? I want to try and help you understand that this, this morning, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven vials, those are all judgments of, from God. We find in Revelation chapter 6, the seven seals are open. We find in Revelation 8 through 11, the seven trumpets, and we find the seven vials in Revelation chapter number 16. All of these are God's judgments here upon the earth. And as we study these, each of these have, are a different judgment, a different judgment to uh, uh, different people or different things here upon this earth. The first judgment, the seven seals in Revelation chapter 6, it could be the life-ending judgment. If you wanted to really understand what this judgment means, it's when life upon this earth, God judges. There's going to be great destruction. There's going to be great judgment toward things here upon this earth. The Bible says this in, in, in uh, Revelation 6, 2 through 4, and I saw and beheld a white horse and he that sat upon him uh, had a bow and, and, and a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer. And we had opened the second seal. I heard the second beast say, come and see. And there went out another horse that was red and power was given to him that sat up uh, thereupon to take peace from the earth and they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. And we find this during the tribulation, there's going to be a time in the beginning of the tribulation where the antichrist, he begins to establish peace. He begins power with peace in Israel. And right now, even, even our own current administration, even people around the world, they're seeking peace with Israel. They're trying to make peace. They're trying to make deals. There's a great goal for peace in Israel. And the antichrist, 
Christ is going to be the one that comes in and he's going to establish peace in Israel. But this peace is not going to be peace that lasts long. This peace is not going to be peace that he has an intent on keeping. He's going to bring about peace, but he knows this is going to be a false peace to allow Israel to trust him. And in the middle of the tribulation, he is going to then take that peace away, that peace treaty, that peace agreement, and there's going to be many nations of the earth that are going to go against Israel. And during this time, God is going to allow judgment to come. As we read, there's a white horse sat upon him, a crown was given unto him, and he went forth conquering and to conquer. In verse 5, and when he had opened the, the third seal, I heard the third beast say, come and see and beheld and lo, a black horse. And he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts saying, a measure of wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, come and see. In his commentary, Charles Rye, he explains this, the, for, the black horse forebodes death. And the pair of the balance is, is, uh, bespeaks a careful rationing of food. Normally a penny, which would be a, a, a day's wage in Palestine in Jesus' day, would buy eight measures of wheat or 24 of barley. He goes on to write this, under these famine conditions, the same wage will buy only one measure of wheat or three of barley. So a day's wage for a measure of wheat or three of barley. He writes this, this could mean that only one-eighth of the necessary food supply is going to be available. There's going to be a judgment that comes here upon this earth and those are not going to have the ability to buy. It's going to cost so much just for a, a day's wage to get a small amount of food. Now, this past week, uh, uh, my wife and I were at a restaurant eating on a Thursday evening and our family had, and the lady there, the manager of the restaurant came over and, and we know her and she began to tell us, she said that, the, that she had a customer that uh, uh, worked in a chamber of commerce or something like that and she said uh, um, that she, he warned her that tomorrow Toledo is going to have potentially a water crisis. And I looked at my wife and I said, Ralph Baker would call me if that was true. I don't believe it. But this lady said that the person that told her this knew what they were talking about. And so my wife said, what do you think I ought to do? I said, I think I ought to call Ralph. And she said, what if you can't get a hold of Ralph? I said, I think you need to go get water. And then the lady began to tell us this in front of our kids. And Lily, our, uh, one of our, our children, she was so upset over this. She said, mom, um, what does that mean? And we said, well, it just means, it just means there's poison in the water. That's all. <laughs> and she said, so like, can we can't drink it? No, you can't drink it. Can we brush your teeth? No, you can't brush your teeth. We can't wash food with it? No, you can't wash food with it. We can't take a shower? No, you can't take it. She liked that one. <laughs> she said, yeah. He said, you can't use the water. It's not good. Well, she was concerned. So my wife left the restaurant and, and, and went directly over to, to, to uh, uh, the food store. And she got to the food store. She called me. She said, how much water do you think I ought to get? And I said, I don't know. Just get a couple cases. She said, but what if this thing lasts for days? Oh, so we'll get a couple more cases. Well, what if it lasts for a week? I said, just buy everything they have. She said, but there's not much here. I said, what are you asking me for then? You know, <laughs> buy whatever's there. She goes up to the front and the lady at the front says, I don't know what's going on, but everybody's buying water. Well, everyone heard the rumor that we heard. It was false. I said to Ralph, I saw Ralph. I said, Ralph, tell me about this crisis with the water. He said, I don't know anything about it. I said, well, I got about 20, gallon, 20 cases of water if you need any in my house. She goes to buy this water. You know what? It was very limited. There was almost none left on the shelf. You know the warning. As soon as it says snow might come, what does everyone buy? Bread, milk, and eggs. Not that you're going to use the three together, but you just need all three. Even if you don't need all three, you got to have all three can't buy anything at the store. It's all missing. Why? Because there's a storm coming. There's going to be a time of judgment here upon the earth where you're not going to be able to afford to buy what you need. There's not going to be the, the amount that's there and the amount that's there is going to be so expensive. It's going to cost a day's wage just to get a little bit. The first judgment we see here that God is going to allow to come upon this earth here in the time of tribulation is there's not going to be enough food to go around. Now, I don't know about you, but as a dad, 
One of the things I hope I never have to experience is my children going hungry. Now, I, I don't think I've ever starved before. I don't think I have. Look at me. You could probably say you haven't. Trust me. Not long ago, I had a procedure done, and I had to fast overnight. Everybody ever have a procedure done, and you have to fast overnight? Now, I normally don't eat from midnight to 8 in the morning anyways. But when they tell you you're not allowed, guess what? I'm hungry. I normally sleep from midnight to 8 o'clock. Well, not 8 o'clock, but I normally sleep from midnight to, to the morning. And I don't, I'm not worried about eating uh, in the evening. But when they tell me I can't eat, I'm hungry. I'm up all night. I'm starving. Even though I ate the last meal at 11.59, I am still starving because they tell me I'm not allowed to eat. And I get up and I look in the refrigerator and I say, oh, I want this. Listen, there's going to be devastation on this earth. There's going to be a time and a period here during the tribulation where man is not going to be able to afford to buy food. The resources are going to be so limited and there's going to be great, great judgment. There's going to be great agony. The earth, the human race is going to want, but they're not going to be able to buy because the supply of food is going to be so limited. This suggests here, if you look in this verse, the Bible suggests this, and to see that they're not, uh, that hurt not the oil and the wine. The oil and the wine would be luxury items, but they're not, they're going to be so expensive. It's not that they're going to, not going to be in supply. They're going to be so expensive that mankind won't be able to afford them. They can't afford the basic necessities to live and survive here upon this earth. In Revelation, 6, 8 also tells us this. And I looked and behold a pale horse and his name that sat on him was death and hell followed him and power was given unto him over the fourth part of the earth to kill with a sword and with hunger and with death and with the beast of the earth. Listen to me. This is where the great devastation begins. Here the Bible says that a judgment is coming during the time of the tribulation and a fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and the beast of the earth. A fourth part of the earth is going to be killed. Imagine how many people are going to be killed. Now, church, listen to me. Listen as we study this. Don't just look at this as it's some movie from Hollywood or some book that you read. What we're studying here this morning, it's real. Judgment is going to happen upon this earth, and God is going to allow his wrath to be poured out upon this earth. In the first set of judgment we see upon this earth, a quarter of life upon this earth is going to be killed. You know, that could be in the billions. The largest group I've ever been in, the largest crowd I've ever been in, was last year at a Michigan football game. They say there was like 108 or 110,000 people at this game. And I remember looking, standing in the stadium and looking around thinking, this is a lot of people. Wow. And that was just 100,000 people. And there's going to be millions upon millions of people that are going to be killed during this time of judgment when God pours out his wrath, when they, the wrath of God is poured out during this time, we're going to find that, that, that the uh, a pale horse, his name that sat on him was death. Death is going to ride this pale horse and hell followed with him. The power was given unto him, the fourth part of the earth to kill with a sword, with hunger, with death, and with the beasts of the earth. A, th a fourth of the earth is going to be killed in judgment. The devastation is going to come. The Bible text talks next, not only the life-ending judgments, environmentally devastating judgments are going to come upon this earth. In Revelation 8 through 11, we begin to find the devastation that comes the Bible tells us this in Matthew 24, 7 and 8. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Listen, not only, not only is a fourth not only of the fourth of human life going to be killed during this time of judgment when God pours his wrath out upon this earth, the Bible says there's going to be great devastation that comes to our environment as well. 
earthquakes are going to come and, 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 and uh, uh, other, other problem issues are going to come. And in, in Matt, uh, Revelation 8, 7, the Bible says the first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of the trees were burned up and green grass was burned up. Imagine this, not only a quarter of all the human life was killed here upon this earth, the next judgment that comes is a third of the earth is burned with fire. I watched these news clips of these fires out west that are burning, and they say, oh, you know, 50,000 acres. And I think, man, that's a lot. 50, 60, 70,000 acres. The people that live there being evacuated from homes because this fire is so devastating. What we're not talking about here, 50 or 60 or 70,000 acres, what we're talking about is a third of the trees, a third of the green grass, a third of this earth is going to be burned with fire during this tribulation. Listen to me, that ought to motivate us. That ought to move us, Christian, to think of the devastation that's going to come here upon this earth. We have the gospel message to share. What's going to cause people not to have to endure this judgment from God is a person to trust Christ as their Savior. But those that reject Christ are going to be here during this tribulation time, and they're going to experience judgment upon this earth like we've never seen before. Listen, we've had earthquakes, but we're not talking about earthquakes like we've ever seen before. We've had fires that have devastated thousands of acres, but we're not talking about small acreage like we've seen before. We're talking about pestilence and disease, but we're not talking about pestilence and disease like we've ever seen before. We're talking about a judgment of God on a magnitude, a scale like no human has ever seen before. Millions upon millions will be killed. And listen to me, as we sit here and we think about this, we ought to consider this, the torment and the judgment that they're going to go through here upon this earth, and they're going to experience death. And once they experience death, that death is going to be in a place, the Bible calls hell, where the Bible says, where the worm dieth not, where there's fire and brimstone, and they continue, continue that torment for all of eternity. I think of Luke chapter number 16 when I read of that man, the rich man that died, and the Bible says he opened up his eyes and being in torments. Oh, he could see, he could hear, he could feel. He knew his punishment was forever. And the Bible says he called out, Father Abraham, send Lazarus that he could dip the tip of his finger in, my, uh, in water and cool my tongue. He was just begging for a drop of water. Oh, listen to me. That is going to be the fate of all those that go through this judgment that reject Christ. Every human being, God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. His desire is for mankind to to accept Jesus Christ, his desire is to reconcile all mankind back to him, but man is going to reject Christ, he's going to reject God, and in so doing, judgment is going to come upon him. Just think of the judgment that comes, and then the eternal judgment that's going to come. I don't know how we as a Christian could hold on to the truth that we have. This past Thursday, I, Thursdays I take off and I had every intent on getting my uh, oil changed and I was not able to do it on Thursday because I was here and had other things. And Friday I got into my office and I began to study and about the sixth person that knocked on my door, you know how it goes, they say, knock, knock, pastor, I know you're busy and studying, but and finally about the sixth time that it happened, I said to Kim, I got to get out of here. I can't get anything done. She said, where are you going to go? I said, I'm going to get my oil changed. I've done this before. I go to, over here to get my oil changed, and, and they leave me alone there. And it takes, me about, it takes them about an hour. Sometimes it's taking longer than that. It's a great time to just sit there and study, and no one bothers you. And, and, uh, and so I'm sitting there, and I walk in, and, and I sit down, and there's a lady sitting down there, and I pull my things down, and I begin to study, and sh sure enough, she begins to talk to me. <laughs> I thought, I can't get away. I began to tell her what I'm studying, told her what I did, and open up an opportunity to share Christ. And about 15 or 20 minutes into that conversation, she bowed her head with me and she trusted Christ as her savior. And I'm telling you, just minutes after she trusted Christ as her savior, I heard my name over the loudspeaker. Your oil, is, your, your, your work is done. Come get your car. And I thought to myself, 20 minutes? I've never been in this place for 20 minutes. 
I can't get any studying done, but I know this, a lady trusted Christ as her savior. And as I went out of there that day, I thought I've never been here for such a short amount of time. I've never been here. uh, I shouldn't have been here today, but God put me in the path of this lady that trusted Christ as her savior. As I'm studying the wrath that's going to come upon this earth, I drove away from that place and said, God, thank you for saving another soul. She's not going to have to experience this wrath. Oh, there was a couple week period in our church, those that gave, gave uh, uh, the gospel at the fair, those that, uh, that, that uh, just, just shared the gospel in our community, our teens that went away to camp, four or five at our children's camp, in a two-week period or three-week period or so, over 100 people that I know of were saved because of the efforts of this church going out and sharing the gospel this past week. There are many in our church that were at the Wood County Fair sharing the gospel and had the opportunity to lead many to Christ. Boy, every time I hear, every time I hear that somebody trusts Christ as or Savior in my heart, I say, another one doesn't have to experience this judgment, this wrath of God. Another one doesn't have to experience hell for all of eternity. Another one gets to receive God's free gift of salvation. What a wonderful thing that is. Christian, I don't know why we'd be consumed with anything else, knowing the wrath that's going to come, knowing the judgment that's going to come, knowing that a human being without Christ is going to spend eternity in hell forever and ever and ever. Why would we do anything other than share the gospel of Jesus Christ. What joy it is. But those that are here upon this earth, they're going to see this judgment. The Bible says in verse 8 and 9 of Revelation 8, and the second angel sounded, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. We believe this is probably a meteorite some, of some sort coming and casting it into the sea. And a third part of the sea became blood. The third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. Not only has a quarter of all mankind been killed, not only has a third of all the trees and all the grass now been been killed with devastation, now a third of everything that had life in the sea is gone as well. Not only is there mounting bodies that there's no time and no place to bury, there's no food, there's no, there's no resources, there's nothing to eat, and then comes this judgment when a third of the sea becomes blood, a third of what's in the sea is killed, a third part of the ships were destroyed, meaning this, all the ships that were in the sea, a third of them are killed. Imagine the devastation that's here upon this earth. And how many of you would think that if you went through all of this, there'd be a no-brainer. There's 144,000 preaching Christ. There's a, there's a two that are witnesses for Christ proclaiming truth of the gospel. How many would think this? Now, now I'll turn to Christ. No, the world still is rejecting Christ. Judgment is coming here upon this earth. The Bible goes on to say this. In Revelation 8, 11 and, uh, 10 and 11, and the third angel sounded and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of water. The name of the star is called Wormwood and the third part of the waters became Wormwood and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. No, no, oh, not only is the food source limited, not only is the source, the food source from the land, the food source from the water is limited, now the water themselves you can't drink from. And Ralph's not going to be here to help. Listen to me, this devastation that's here, all the devastation that's going to come, all the devastation is going to come. The Bible goes on to say this. If you'll continue reading with me in verse number 12, and the fourth angel sounded and the third part of the sun was smitten. Listen, man, I'm not a scientist, but I've read this before, that the earth is positioned exactly where it should be so that humans can live life on, on the earth in accordance with the sun. If it was any further, we'd freeze. If it was any closer, we'd burn. 
Isn't it amazing? It could happen by a great boom or it could happen by the hand of God. The the earth is placed exactly where it needs to be in our solar system in comparison with the sun because the sun in its distance gives us exactly the amount of heat we need. It gives us exactly what we need so life can happen here upon this earth. Don't we have a great God? But there's going to be a time, a judgment. There's going to be a fourth angel. And when that angel, uh, that fourth angel sounds, a third part of the sun was smitten and a third part of the moon and a third part of the stars. So as a third part of them was darkened and the day shone not for a third part of it and the night likewise. Listen to me, the sun is going to be smitten. The moon is going to be smitten. The stars are going to be smitten. If you don't think that's enough, you think that finally man is going to turn back to God. Man is still going to resist God, reject his son. I've read stories of those living in Alaska and those up in those northern areas where it says for like six-month periods, it's dark. And boy, alcoholism and drug addiction and depression and suicide are so great in areas like that because it's so dark and so depressing. Imagine the emotional toll it's going to play on the people. Is two years ago this September, my family moved here to uh, uh, Northwest Ohio. And when we moved here, you all fooled us because we moved here in the fall and it was beautiful. I mean, these cornfields and people are running through cornfields and having, you know, corn mazes and pumpkins and pies and, you know, bonfires. Man, it was awesome. I loved it. And then came like March and it was like gray skies for like three or four months. How many of you have noticed that? I said to my wife, what happened to the blue skies? The corn's all cut down. It's cold. The sky's gray. How many of you admit when the sky's gray for a long period of time, you get gray for a long period of time? Yeah. Imagine the emotional toll. Boy, everything here upon this earth is being touched, being judged by God. We not only find death of all these human beings that are going to die, we not only find that there's going to be, there's going to be devastation to the trees and to the grass and to the waters and to the sea life. All of these things are going to be judged. All of this judgment's going to come and mankind still has an opportunity to turn back to God. Mankind still has an opportunity to get saved, but they continue to harden their hearts. We see this judgment come. The sun is darkened. Devastation, it comes. And the wrath of God that's poured out. Lastly, we see this morning the retaliatory judgments of God. Revelation 16.1, And I heard a great voice out of the temple saying to the seven angels, Go your ways and read with me here and pour out the vials of the wrath of God. Boy, if that wasn't enough, it's going to get worse. I'm telling you in my heart, I'd say, let's just stop right here. Let's just go and tell the world about Jesus. Why would anybody want to go through this? Why could you do anything other than share Jesus with someone? What priorities do we as Christians have that are more important than the gospel message of Jesus Christ? How much money do you want to make? But shut up the gospel. How big of a house do we need to have? And that become a priority versus telling our neighbors about Jesus? I mean, what job do you dream of having? when you finally get there, you can't tell your coworker about Jesus. What do you want to achieve to in life? For what? If you sit silently about what matters. If what we read wasn't hard enough, a fourth of all mankind killed, listen, that fourth in the billions. Listen to me. They don't get another chance. They die. And they're going to spend eternity in hell. They don't get another chance. Christian, what's so important to us? 
What are we holding on to that's so dear that we can't share Jesus with somebody that needs him? Are we afraid that somebody's going to mock us? Are we afraid that somebody's going to think bad of us? Are we afraid that somebody's going to say something to hurt our feelings? I would say that we have got to do everything we can with every bit of power we have, with every fiber of our being, with God's help to go out and share the gospel with a lost and dying world because without Jesus Christ, the wrath of God is going to be poured out. A fourth of all mankind is going to be killed in this judgment. A third of this earth is going to be killed, destroyed. A third of the sea life is going to be destroyed. The sun is going to be darkened. The moon is going to be darkened. This third of the stars are going to fall. And then the wrath of God. Revelation 9, 3, and 4, and there came out of the smoke locust upon the earth. And unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. If that wasn't enough, what's going to happen? The Bible says this, another vial is going to be given and opened up, and you know what's going to happen? There's going to be scorpions that come. And to them it was given they that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. And their torments was that, the torments of a scorpion when, when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. Listen to me, this judgment is going to be so bad upon this earth that man is going to want to die. But the judgment is going to be that they cannot die. We moved to Georgia when I pastored there and we were so excited to get there. And our first night in our new house, our kids uh, were playing and our little one, Chloe, was really young at the time and she walked out of her front door and we had a little porch area. She walked off of that porch area onto the grass and she started playing on the grass and thought she was having a good old time. And all of a sudden we started hearing screaming. We went running over to her, wondering what's wrong. We thought maybe she fell, and we went over, and we saw her, and she was just standing there, screaming, standing. She didn't fall. Nobody was around her. Michelle got over and picked her up and noticed she was standing in the middle of a red ant hill. And looked down, and these red ants were all over her feet. We got introduced to the red ants of Georgia real quick. And then we found out this, that there's these spiders that are poisonous, brown recluse or something like that. A couple different poisonous spiders. We went to walk out our front door one morning and there was one of these spiders overnight had made a web right on the door where you would have walked out the door and there they were looking at us. And this isn't Charlotte's web where they're nice, leaving good morning. This was, I want to eat you. Step on me, please. We couldn't walk out of our house. We couldn't play out back without shoes on because there were red ant hills and there were spiders. And we had to pick up. If you went to grill and you took your grill cover off, you had to be very, very careful because these spiders would get up beneath, underneath anything. And if you got hit by one of those spiders or bit by one of those spiders, you were in trouble. If you were a little girl standing on a hill, you were in trouble. If you were a man, you'd sound like a little girl if you stood on a ant hill. It was that bad. I couldn't imagine these scorpions coming, and the Bible says this, for five months they're going to torment the human race. They're going to sting over and over and over again. All of these judgments are going to compile to where mankind just says, kill me, and they won't be able to die. You ever got to something in your life where you think that death was the best option? That's where they're going to be. But the torment worsens because they can't die. It just gets worse. 
I don't know if there's a person alive on this earth that I hate mo so much that I want them to endure this. I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. I can't imagine. I can't imagine a dad and a mom trying to raise children during the tribulation time, watching their children go hungry, watching their children starve, going through these bites and these sores. And the first went and poured out his vial upon the earth and there fell a, a noisome and, and grievous sore upon the men which had the mark of the beast and upon them which worshipped his image. All those that took the mark of the beach, beast, at some point there's going to be a sore, a grievous sore, wherever they took the mark, either on their forehead or on their hand, is going to be infected and cause great pain. The second angel poured out his vial upon the sea and it became as the blood of a dead man. And every living soul died in the sea. Now not only has a third of everything died, now everything dies in the sea. And the third angel poured out his vial upon the rivers and the fountains of the water and they became blood. And I heard the angel of the water say, thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and was and shalt be because thou hast judged thus. Here God is going to pour his judgment. All the drinking waters of this earth are going to turn to blood. All the sea creatures are going to die because all the waters of this world are going to turn to blood. Listen, devastation is going to come to this earth for those that have rejected Jesus Christ. They have shed the blood of saints, prophets. You see, God's final judgment is going to come upon this earth. It's a retaliatory judgment. God is going to say, all those that have shed the bloods of saints, all those that have shed the blood of prophets, you've, you've, you've shed the blood of them that, that are worthy. You, are, you have persecuted. You have rejected. You have, have, have hurt those that have tried to help you. You have, you have dismissed the gospel message of Jesus Christ, and you have persecuted the saints and the prophets, and he pours out his judgment upon all those that reject Christ. And the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun. Power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And the men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God which hath power over these plagues and they repented not to give him glory. One of the final judgments we're going to find is this. God is going to allow one of the, the fourth vial, the angel is going to open the fourth vial. The sun is going to scorch this earth. Why doesn't man repent? And instead of turning to God, they're going to blaspheme the name of God. They're going to harden their heart. Listen to me, church. This judgment is going to be a judgment like we've never seen before. We complain a little bit when it gets to be 90, close to 100, and it gets hot, and we get into our air-conditioned homes. Oh, this is going to be a, a devastation that happens upon this earth. And man's still not going to repent. Judgment. Listen to me, if you're here today and you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, why? Why would you wait? If you're unsure, if you're battling with salvation, if you're unsure, why would you wait any longer? Listen, if you have someone that you love, if you have a coworker, a neighbor, my little Mackenzie in tears last week at camp, she was there and she, we saw her in tears. She said, I, I said, what's wrong, babe? She said, we need to tell our neighbors about Jesus. We had new neighbors that just moved in next door. She said, we got to figure out how we can tell them about Jesus. And I said, we're going to do that, aren't we? We're going we're to figure out, we're going to tell them about Jesus. Mom and dad and four little kids, we're going to tell them all about Jesus. 
We're going to tell our neighbors across the street about Jesus. We're going to tell our neighbors on the other side about Jesus. I don't think God put us in that community to live so we could enjoy life and we could say, look what we have and look at the nice area we have and look at the house that we have. I think God put us right there so we can tell the neighbors to the right and to the left and front behind about Jesus Christ. And he put you in the same place for the same reason. He didn't put you in that job just so you can make a lot of money or not a lot of money. He didn't put you there just so that you could say you have this job. He put you there so every single person you come in contact with has a gospel witness of who Jesus Christ is and they don't have to endure this judgment. They can trust Christ as their savior. He didn't put you in that family. He didn't put you in that neighborhood. He didn't put you in that job. He didn't put you at that, that, that oil change place to get your oil changed. He put me there last, this past Friday to tear the, share the gospel with a soul that needed Jesus. Listen to me, church, let's not get so busy with our problems and our trials and our burdens in this life and with the material things of this life that we forget that our main focus ought to be that where we're at, we're to give the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a world that needs Jesus. And I believe this. The last several weeks, I showed you all the events of this world that are happening. Why did I show you all that? I showed you all that to show you this could happen any moment. Let's not wait till it's too late. If you're here today and you need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never been saved, today is the day to be, receive Christ. If you're here today and you have never shared the gospel with another living soul, then I urge you today, I challenge you today, I, I give you what God said is our commission to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. Listen, soul winning is not just the job of the pastor. Soul winning is not just the job of the evangelist. He gave that commission to you and to me. Share the gospel so that mankind does not have to deal with this judgment.